And now, story time with Baccio Death Trip. Hello boys and girls. Are you sitting comfortably? Good. Let's begin. There once was a group of friends from Springfield, Massachusetts called Aaron, Mike, Johnny and John. They loved music and they all played instruments and started practicing day in and day out. They wrote ever so wonderful songs Songs about anger, pain, torment, and other things driving them insane. They decided to call themselves Stained, and released all their magical songs in 1996. What shall we call the album? One band member asked Aaron. Let's call it Tormented, and let's have bloody religious iconography and a piece of a face as the album cover, Aaron replied. The members agreed, and soon enough, started playing shows across the United States. One day, a mean old troll called Fred, who lived under the Matthews Bridge, happened upon the album. That shit is horrid, yo. Who would release such a ghastly thing? Fred didn't like Stained, but grew to appreciate them, and eventually even helped them record a new album, Dysfunctional, and even invited them to be part of this secret circle of friends called Flip. One day, while both Stained and Fred were discovering some family values, Fred decided to sit with Aaron on a large set of stairs and duet with him. This is the real fucking deal, yo, he said to onlookers, and asked them, please, put your motherfucking lighters in the air. Fred knew that his troll magic would spark to life, and Stained became even more popular. Their popularity soared, and when they released a Break the Cycle in 2001, when a lot of other people were into the same kind of music Aaron and friends were releasing, it became a smash hit. It even topped the UK Lollipop Rainbow Gumdrop album chart. Thank you, Fred, Aaron said many moons later. Don't mention it. I'll mention it enough anyway, replied Fred, who went off to travel to the world of the Puddle of Mud. Did you enjoy that story, children? Good. And the moral of the story? Fred Durst is a character played by Fred Durst. Sweet dreams, children. Good night. I mean, most of what that story time gave you was pretty much true. Stained did blow up, and it felt in part that it was due to Fred Durst's involvement during the Family Values tour when he sat and basically duetted or emceed or hype manned Aaron Lewis during a performance of Outside. Such was the popularity of Stained, and especially how the level of angst that, though an adult male shouldn't really have and perhaps deserve some form of psychotherapy for, a teenager definitely would identify with going through growing pains, Break the Cycle actually topped the UK charts. I even believe that they topped the UK charts before Slipknot's Iowa. It was a big deal for the metal community, so much so that Kerrang! during their awards basically name-checked Stained and talked about how important they were. This, along with Puddle of Mud, would be the start of what is regarded as post-grunge, which pains me to say. I mean, Nickelback were regarded as post-grunge as well, but less said about that the better. And soon enough, you could tell the merit of a band by the amount of hooded tops people were wearing. 
not Fair Factory hooded tops with the prints down the arms. No, that they, they weren't that level yet, but they certainly were plenty of city centres around the United Kingdom at that stage which saw its fair share of stained Break the Cycle album covers. So on today's Bad Show Death Trip, I'm going to pose perhaps the biggest question, the most controversial question I've ever had to ask you, Reese, and it is this. Was Fred Durst responsible for how Big Stained became? To a point, yeah, he definitely gave them a boost up. Obviously, Aaron Lewis's voice is incredible, like really, really good. Definitely. And he had a little bit of mystique to him. Like he, he was a country redneck, still is, more so than ever. I think he was storming the Capitol, and we're going to get into that big time later. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, it's yeah. fucking grim to read about that shit. But Fred definitely, he championed them, didn't he? Yeah. He was offended by that cover art, but then like halfway through the set, he went, no, sorry, as they came off the stage after the, their first set that he saw, he was like, yo, I'm going to fucking make you a big deal. I'm going to get you a record deal. And he did sign them to Flip Records. So, And then yep. he went and directed the Epiphany clip. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. And do you know which actor was in the Epiphany film clip? No, go on. It was Billy Zane. And Fred Durst spent like over a million bucks on the video. And Aaron Lewis is like, this is fucking stupid. And it's like, you know, it's like, because it's always raining in my head. And Fred Durst, the visionary, said, what about if you're singing in the rain? Like you're singing about the rain and it's raining on your head. Because that hasn't been done a million times before. But it's a clip worth watching because Billy Zane, it's like this old sort of sleepy hollow vibe. It's... Are you up to date on like where Aaron Lewis and Fred Durst and Wes Borland sit with each other at the moment? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with that. I'm familiar with the fact that Aaron Lewis is uh, a MAGA. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar that Fred Durst did the fanatic. I-, I went through a period last week of watching a whole bunch of Tarantino films purely off the basis of I was watching, I, I, I got a soft spot for John Travolta, and I was just amazed how often they tried, John Travolta just did the press junket for the Fanatic, you know, and I, it kind of made me feel a little bit bad that he went to all of this length to do interviews about Fred Durst's movie, and it just was fucking tanked, it absolutely tanked. So I've no, I've no idea where they all sit with each other whatsoever at the minute. Quickly on Tarantino, I was speaking to our friend Connor, your new friend, just today, and he was like, man, I'm so worried about Benji going through the Adam Sandler filmography, and he was like, that can't be healthy. And I was like, well, he skipped Jack and Jill, which is good, but now to see you've sort of cleansed your palate, that's a a great thing. I don't know. I think you went through the Sandler stuff before the podcast, like way before the podcast, am I right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was like one of those, I think the the strongest thing I've ever done is that I binge-watched um, the first time I was without work, uh, I got up in the mornings pretty early and until my wife came home, I just fucking binge watched the Sopranos and I kid you not, I got through the entire Sopranos in the space of a fortnight. That's a lot of TV to be watching, man. Well, they do say when a mum sees their like their child in danger, they can lift a car above their head. And I do believe we're all capable of superhuman strengths, and I'm glad to see you found your power. There we go. There we go. Sitting through a gluttony of punishment that's known as Adam Sandler movies, but they weren't all too bad. Don't know what movies I'm going to binge watch yet. Okay, so Aaron Lewis plays a lot of like acoustic solo shows now. That's what he does now. He's this full redneck 
my pops got a rusted car in the front yard sort of vibe. He's he's like the white Darius Tucker. He's a redneck Jason Molina. And okay. a beautiful voice, some real tortured soul stuff, but rather than just sort of singing about how the moon wouldn't waste its light on him, uh, he's saying that he's the only one who would take the, a bullet for the country and that he doesn't like the way things are going. But anyway, a, fr- a fan in the audience yelled out at him, hey, Fred's an asshole. And Lewis was like, no, 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 Fred's the whole reason I'm sitting in front of you tonight. And get this, direct quote, and i got to say that at this point in my life, I call Fred when I need, like, Dalai Lama advice, for real. So uh, there, there was a point where they didn't really want to be associated with Limp Bizkit. When Limp Bizkit were really blowing up, I think I listened to an interview with the stained guitarist, and he was like, we just wanted to be our own band. We're tired of being linked to Limp Bizkit. But then, where's Ballin? bumps into Aaron Lewis at an airport like a few years ago. Yeah. And so where's the stories? And I'm paraphrasing. I, I wasn't there. They didn't invite me to this airport catch-up, which was rude. I'm usually at all of them. Yeah, it is. Aaron Lewis goes up to him and he's like, they're in Jacksonville and they're flying back to LA. And Aaron Lewis goes, where are you headed? And he's like, oh, I'm going home. And then Aaron Lewis is like, home. And then he's like, yeah, yeah I just went and visited my parents. I'm going back to LA. And Aaron g- goes to him, the fuck, man? Like, remember where you came from? Florida is your home, not LA. That's home. And Wes Bourne was like, fuck off, man. And they never talked to each other again. Now, then Aaron Lewis came out and he was like, no, no, that's not really what happened. This motherfucker was on like a little golf court going from the terminal to pick up his luggage. So this rock star motherfucker, and he'd forgotten who he was. And he's some bougie piece of shit now. And I wanted to remind him, you know, to stay true, basically. Yeah. Now, we don't know. If Wes Boland had planned a fasciitis, had he been training for a half marathon? We don't know. Was it his interval days? Was he on some ibuprofen? Like, we don't know. Was it doctor's orders? No. Did a, did a mega fan go, please, can you just fucking get on my golf cart? Was Kid Rock working that day? We don't know. So who knows? But it seems like Aaron Lewis has really dug his heels in. And digging back through the past, he always kind of was this sort of grouchy, crotchety old man sort of like i don't like where the world's going no more oh i gotta shake my fist at a cloud basically yeah so so yeah i think limp biscuit did to a point but obviously stain had to be the band to take it to the next level there is no doubt that it's been a while did that for them that song is still the number one on spotify it's uh it was huge it was absolutely huge um I mean, Outside was pretty big, but Outside, I felt, was kind of big because when they released the live version with Fred Durst, it was kind of the novelty of seeing Fred Durst collaborating with another band. Not that it should be a novelty, because Fred Durst collaborated with Soulfly on Bleed and um, Get Naked, which was on the Methods of Mayhem album, you know, Tommy Lee's solo work. Uh, But yeah, when um, It's Been A While came around, it... It was one of those songs where every motherfucker would just print off the lyrics, send it to a girl that they like or that they, you know, there was an unrequited kind of relationship with and like, I just just wrote down my feelings. I want you to, um, to, to read them. And they blew up because of that. There was a romanticism behind it's been a while. And it was catchy as fuck. And that's exactly what you need from... That's exactly what you need from a single. You need it to be catchy and, and to resonate. And Jesus, it, it was it was more emo than it was new metal, I felt. 
there was so much splash cymbaling in this. Drum fanatics, you have a listen to this album, Break the Cycle. Fuck me. It is just splash, splash, splash. Everyone's taking a bath. It's insane. There is one thing I do want to talk about on this track. It's been a while. There is a part where it goes, the drums back off, the drums stop, and then they come back in, but you can hear the drummer. I shouldn't know his name. Sorry, guys. And it counts in with the left foot four times. On a recording, fucking mute that. We don't need that, you know, especially a big budget album. You're not going for that live feel. You're not going for the Bad Brains vibe. You're not going for raw Ramones in the studio sort of, um, you know, in a practice-based kind of vibe. You're going for big professional stuff. And I just don't, I don't like the count-ins, you know. And also the lyrics, I still remember just the way you taste. I was thinking about this. I don't think I can remember how anything tastes or I like the, the vernacular to describe how things would taste. And if I went to a girl in like year 10, I'm like, geez, I remember just the way you taste. I'd be like, yeah, cause she tastes like Woodstock bourbon and, <laughs> and her, her dad's long beaches that she stole. Like it's, it's not a great thing. You should taste like toothpaste or Listerine. They're the two options. What about chewing gum? I will accept chewing gum. Why Woodstock? Yeah. You catch more flies with honey, but you catch, Real, really great people with Woodstock bourbon. I actually had bourbon the other night at a friend's house and it was the first time I've had really good bourbon. And the initial yeah. taste is just like Woodstock and then the aftertaste, well, there's no aftertaste, that's it. Like when you're drinking Woodstock from a 440 mil can at Roslyn Park before your year 10 social and you're wearing a transparent independent shirt for some unknown reason and you've got your satin Daffy Duck boxes high above your 26 red jeans for, for no reason and then you spend the last like, 30 seconds of every sip just like wincing at the sky, looking at the fruit bats in the tree. It's fucking wild. But yeah. you mentioned outside. And for me, outside, I heard the acoustic version for ages. I, I thrashed that. And I know I make fun of it a lot on the Instagram. I did love it. Honestly, I loved it. Yeah, man, we, we mock the things we love. You know, me and you mock each other, but it's only because we love each other. But you're right about that. That, that track... It felt like, I, I mean, it didn't even feel like it. Logically, it it seemed that they released the live version first as a bit of a litmus test because they released It's Been A While shortly after that and then went back and released a studio version of Outside. So the live version came out easily two months before the studio version came out. It was, seemed like it's one of those rare occasions where they released a song and then re-release the song. Re-releasing isn't anything new, but you re-release something when you think, oh, that's popular, we want to capture onto that. So the industry dictates. But on this occasion, it was, well, we know it's popular anyway, let's just bash out the studio version with a video with a guy stood in front of a wall. I don't know about you, maybe this is a big, big question for you. Which one is better, Outside with Fred Durst or the recorded studio version on this album? Ah. Uh, it's a, it's a difficult one. I For me, I think the acoustic version, just because it showcases very much uh, how uh, gifted, that's a strong word, but let's use it, how gifted Aaron Lewis is um, as an acoustic musician. And so it came as no surprise when Aaron Lewis ended up doing this kind of like country and western uh, Americana stuff, you know, many, many years later. Um, the studio version, I just think when it all crashes in at the same time, it kind of loses that delicateness that I think the song has. It worked for It's Been A While because we didn't expect it, um, but we didn't 
expect the loud everybody crashing in at the same time on the studio version of Outside, and it's 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 good, but I just think it lacks that kind of magic that the acoustic version had. Agreed. And which one tells you if something is the real motherfucking deal, y'all? Sometimes I listen to the outside. I'm like, wait, is this the real motherfucking deal, y'all? And then Fred will say, I'm like, yeah, th- this one is the one I like. It's it's simple. It's beautiful. It actually reminds me, their acoustic version at Family Values reminds me of like watching kids or, you know, being in high school and watching, having a talent contest at the end of the, the year. And like one girl yeah. wants to get up and another girl's like, oh, are you feeling nervous? Like, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm really nervous. Can you come stand up next to me? And like just stand there, you know, or... One person's got most of the talent, and the other one's just standing there waiting to sing, sing the chorus and wave at their friends. I mean, we're not doing we we're not doing Fred Durst any justice. He did sing along to the chorus, along with like this is the real motherfucking deal, yo. He, he was feeling those lighters. He was definitely feeling those lighters, man. He wasn't feeling the lighters at Woodstock, but that's a completely. So this album as a whole, I like this is a real roller coaster for me because. I put it on, I was like, this fucking sucks. This sucks so much. And then I I was running along the river and I was like, this is a rare album we're talking about that gets better and better as it goes on. It becomes more confident, more assured of itself. And I was like, this album suffers from very, very, very poor track list order. Yeah, I don't think people sometimes realise, for, for all those musicians out there, the pacing of your album is incredibly important. Look at look at a mixtape, you know. The best mixtapes have kind of like an ebb and flow to it. And, yeah, I think that... I mean, what albums have suffered from not having a great kind of sequencing of tracks? Apart from Tools, the, the Holy... What is it called now? The Holy Gift? Holy shit, that's a brand new album listening to that now I told you man I still don't still don't like tool fans too much those kind of tool fans you know but holy shit you've gone as far as to making a stained uh, holy gift playlist as well is that correct yeah i did i did man I've, i actually sat through it and i was like all right i'm gonna i sat down with it and i thought i'm gonna actually do this so i posted it on reddit and i was like guys i've reworked stain because Open Your Eyes is the opening track, and it fucking sucks. And I call it the kind of death bloom effect, where that where bands felt the need to put harmonics in a in a riff, like it's fucking rubbish. It is a shit song, and it's like one of these things, like, hey, do you know where your kids are? They're out selling their bodies and their and drugs, guys. Oh, reefer madness. Fuck off, Aaron Lewis. They're at your show crying along to stained. They're out, they're out in the park drinking Woodstocks. You've just confirmed that for us, man. They're trying to pay off a $60 transparent independent shirt and getting some new Marvin the Martian underwear. Oh, that's so, so, so 2000s, man. What happened to Marvin the Martian? He was cancelled. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was Martian. I think uh, Trump threw him in a cell and Aaron Lewis cheered. No illegal Martians. We'll, 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 we'll get that. So I posted this playlist on Reddit and Discipline 2021 said... This is a great track list. The one-two punch of Change and Suffer is a great way to start the album. Warm Safe Place is also a perfect album closer. I always thought the track list order was a bit off. This would have been the way to go. And not to be that guy, but you did forget Open Your Eyes. It's probably the worst song on the album anyway, so don't worry. I wrote back and said, did not forget. This album is better off without it. This uh, the, link, <laughs> the link to the playlist is in our bio on Instagram. I wholeheartedly, and I'll put it in the, the run sheet or whatever it's fucking called that. Episode description. 
I 100% recommend listening to it. Whatever the fuck it's called. You know, after nearly 25 podcasts, man, and we've been podcasting even before we got to give it a podcast, you know, the level of professionalism hasn't fucking grown whatsoever, has it? I've got to just chuck it in that fucking word thing that you can just find. Why is for you so low down, though? Because for me... I was surprised that for you on the album itself, uh, before you did the uh, reimagining, was was so low down. Because for me, that's one of the best fucking songs on the album. Yes, but it's about the flow. So you can still have a great song at the towards the end. You can definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, what change in the House of Flies is t- track ten on White Pony? Yeah, Pink Maggot is basically the closer. Or back to school, depending on which version you got. Is that not true? No, I'm just shaking my head because I, I got the... You and I, I think we both got the limited edition. It was the red jewel case with the card inside it, with the EPK. Yes. Um, But my version didn't come with Back to School. Mine was the one before they released Back to School, so... I didn't have to. I didn't have to suffer that indignity. But I went and I bought the back to school EP. As did I, because I'm a sucker. Yeah, man. Oh, it's a cheerleader on the front. Oh, that's sexy. Let's tap into my toxic masculinity and buy that. Doesn't matter the fact that I could download it off Soulseek. But anyway, it's weird because when I first saw that cover in Leading Edge and Bendigo, I just started beating my chest like I was on the Wolf of Wall Street, just like mm, mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sprouting pubes as I went along. I'm really glad you said chess, but I I had the uh, preconceived notion in my head that because we we've knocked stained quite a lot, almost as much as we knocked taproot, which God forbid at some stage we're gonna have to approach as a podcast episode. So when you uh, did you go into this with very low expectations and then came out of it with like actually it's a lot better than I imagined. So. I remember, like I said in another podcast, writing a postcard to a guy who was away on holidays to tell him about this album, which is fucking pure insanity. Like, you don't just send a postcard from your hometown to someone on holiday, and I sent him an email asking him for his address. Like, why couldn't I just tell him then and there? So I remember loving this album. And do you remember back in, like, year nine, year ten, you'd get emails, those email sort of chains? Your auntie does them on Facebook now. It's like, favourite colour, favourite albums. Best moment of your life. What do you, what sound do you hear at home? We do all these. Oh, that 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 kind of Cambridge Analytica stuff. Yep, yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, so I remember doing that, and it was always favorite band, and I would always write stained in there because I was one cool motherfucker. And so I searched the word stained in my inbox because I've had the same email since like day dot. Roxy girl sixty nine at Yahoo. Fuck, some of these emails that popped up. No good, man. One day I'll read them on a bonus episode. No good. No good. I was a big no. Cold fan as well. Stained. It was like Slipknot, Stained Corn, Limp Biscuit. Cold always snuck in there, which was interesting. Thirteen ways to bleed on stage. Might put that on one day. It's like a like a poor man's fuel. So moving right along to your emails, mate. <laughs> yeah. So so I remember I remember liking it, but then putting it on, I was like, this sucks. Then getting further into the album going, this is great. Then recreating the playlist is like, this fucking slaps. This is great. Then thinking more about it and being like, this sucks. And then reading about Aaron Lewis and he's got a new song. It's probably coming out by the time this podcast is released called like, am I the only one where he talks about like, am I the only one sad to see the the country going this way? 
By that, you can imagine he means African-American voters being eligible to vote and gerrymandering. And not building a wall, you know, all of that kind of thing. You know, like, black people not being shot in the fucking street just for having a jog, you know. That's my big problem with these fucking rednecks, because they always wear these shirts as, like, guns, God, family. And he talks about, I love my fucking family. It's like, great. Could you just give, like, 10% of that love to someone else's family? Could you maybe love a kid... Who, who's come out as gay. You know, if you're about freedom and fucking doing whatever you want and, and small government, let the fucking people transition if they want to or maybe vote for a leader that they feel represents them. See, this is what blew me away when I found out about... Like, I, I don't mind... I don't... Honestly, I don't mind... And I have to be careful what I say here. Look, if you want to vote for, like, someone that is, like, conservative or, or centrist or something like that, you know, at the end of the day, that's your choice. But it, it I am surprised sometimes when I see who goes and supports... Um, not just Republicans, man. Like, remember, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a Republican and did some really good stuff in Los Angeles as well. Ronald Reagan was a Republican and brought uh, brought about Glasnost. Uh, that one goes out to Tom Morrison. So if, if you, uh, you know, and there were t- uh, quite a few Republicans that were against the idea of Trump uh, being elected or re-elected, and they were absolutely against uh, the storming of Capitol Hill and everything like that. So, not all, not all Republicans, it, it goes without saying. It's just amazing those kind of, I think they're called Yolkaida. That's what Reddit are yep. calling them these days, or Trumplicans. And it's incredible watching how many people kind of like support him and stuff like that. And what blows me away about Aaron Lewis supporting him is for a guy that recorded albums that dealt with a with issues that it seemed like he had a great deal of empathy towards, you know, like, like we were talking about for you, which is about, uh, being brought up in a household and not feeling like you've had any support or love or anything like that. And you know, the, the gamut of love songs and stuff like that. But you know, when, when he hits home with kind of more emotional issues aside from, you know, love and stuff like that, and then you find out that he he is a big Trump supporter, and and I don't like how my country's going. It's like where the where the fuck was all that empathy gone that you seem to exude during Break the Cycle, during all the other releases? What about the time when he uh, there was a video clip of him stopping the set because a bunch of guys were getting a bit grabby with a female in the audience? Although some people would turn around now and say. That was all a carefully orchestrated bit of publicity. Like, well, you know, believe what you want to believe. But it just honestly was mind-blowing when I, when I found out that, well, you actually support a lot of Trump's agenda, which lacks a lot of empathy. Now, there might be some people that listen to this and go, how dare you, you know, like, what? There's empathy. There's empathy for the common American working man. And to that I say... It's called white privilege. Read up about it. Well, see, he didn't bring back factory jobs like like he promised. But in the lyrics to Fade, he, he, from memory, it's like, you know, I just needed someone to talk to and you were just, like, busy with yourself and you were never there for me and this is all your fault. All your fault. Your My parents have fucked me up and shit. It's like in a typical MAGA sort of Yolkaida household, would a, would a teenage person 
feel comfortable going to their parents and being like, I think I might be bisexual. Whatever, you know, I, I'm a bit confused at the moment. You can imagine, and maybe this is not true and maybe this is disrespectful and, and it's the same sort of pig-headed narrow-mindedness that I'm accusing these MAGA supporters of, you can okay. imagine that kid might not get the love that they would if they're like, just got a 15-year-old girl pregnant, you know, that, that which one would be more accepted, really? Probably the 15-year-old girl, to be honest with you, because it's a pro, it would be a pro-life rather than an LGBTI, LGBTQI question mark plus. I hope I've got that right. I apologize. I was going to say, we're being quite tame, you know. You mentioned bisexuality, which is a very, not tame issue, but, you know, in the big broad spectrum of things, you know. I mean, I, I subscribe to the idea that everybody's born kind of bisexual. Um, I, There are good-looking guys like yourself that I think, things I'd do to that guy, things I'd do to the big rig, I'd hop my trailer onto that big rig any day of the week. I would podcast that man's brains out. It's but it's pretty fucked up how it's kind of like another life issue. Like, well, you know, I I I think I might actually be homosexual. And again, it's not all. It's a narrow. You you preface this with a narrow minded aspect, but you know, there there is a tendency to have a little less empathy towards the LGBT community you know and, and and everything like that i wouldn't say I, I mean like but then people would turn around and argue the fact reese that like yeah but caitlin jenner's a trump supporter yeah but caitlin jenner has a fucking ton of money as well but i am also thinking and i am doing some self-reflecting and it's something that i do find most conservative uh voters do not do this very often they do not self-reflect enough to be and, and honestly self-reflect and say hey you know what Zuckerberg, Jeffrey Bezos, fucking Murdoch, they've got my best interest at heart. I think the reason I'm not in a great spot right now, probably immigrants, probably transgender people. It's probably probably um, African-American people who want to go to the voting booth without getting shot in the chest by a police officer. Those guys have fucked up my life. So let's, let's, let's turn this inwards on ourselves, me in, in particular. What does it say that I was able to sort of separate the lyrics from the band in Glassjaw, where I didn't tune into the lyrics, but with this album, the more I learn about Aaron Lewis currently, I'm like, fuck it, don't want a part of it. I don't want to listen to it. Yes, on that only one, am I the only one, that new single, his fucking voice sounds amazing. But to hear what he's singing about is so offensive to me that I, I don't want, I don't really feel good about this at all. Meanwhile, you've got Glass jaw, Daryl, in on you know, um, talking about leading whores to water. So what does that say about me? Like that—that's a confronting thought because it does suggest, if I'm being honest, that, that I don't have to. Um, I'm not in tune with the plight of womanhood that I have, and 100% benefited from being a white heterosexual male in a Western country. There's no. This podcast is a testament to that fact because I'm like I had a thought. And it's my government-mandated role to voice that to whoever will listen. And I didn't feel any inhibitions to do this. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge believer in if you see it, you can be it. And when I look at podcasters, I see predominantly white people, particularly males, spouting bullshit without any sort of fucking forethought or any real research. Hey, Joe Rogan, how you doing, man? And making millions off it. So 
what does it say about me where I'm like, Casey Chaos, fucking Amen, they rule, Glassdoor, one of my favorite bands, fuck yeah. Oh, Stained? Oh, you didn't really talk shit about women, but you currently have very different political views than me. But, I mean, people still listen to Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls. People still listen to uh, the gamut of glam rock that was out there that was predominantly kind of like, gonna get drunk, gonna pick up girls, yeah, 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 you know, which which is in itself could be construed as misogynistic. I mean, I, I would say that it's kind of misogynistic. But I think the problem is that in terms of perspective, we understood that we were that big in the glass jaw that we we can find it easy to defend them. Even though, even with Daryl Palumbo uh, in interviews himself, uh, said that it's indefensible, the stuff that he did. Um, and I think it's, it is gross, you know, but we know for a fact that Glassjaw's output on everything you ever want to know about silence did not influence us to treat women in that way. The scary thing is that with a lot of maybe Trump supporters, and, and Aaron Lewis included, what he is singing about, it's uh, Daryl's just pissing and moaning that he didn't get laid. Aaron Lewis is singing about this is the problem with the country, right? One is just listening to your mate complain about love that didn't work out, just on a big public level and it's misogyny and i can't defend it 100 percent can't defend it okay but daryl's not going out there talking about the problems of our country daryl was out there just complaining about how a woman fucked him over there's a big difference there and again it's not excusing the misogyny that was in glassjaw's lyrics but he's not rallying or pouring kerosene onto a fucking culture war that no doubt is going to happen in our lifetime reese in the United States, and it's already happening. And and what gets me is how that kind of attitude is now making its way outside of America. I sent you an article today which was basically some anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers harassing the chief health officer of the United Kingdom. Ten years ago, that wouldn't have happened, but now it's kind of like social media and... and the kind of rallies in America and stuff like that and and how they've emerged over here as well and how people over here, for whatever fucking reason, have this deep respect for Donald Trump uh, and what have you. Yeah, it, it's just an absolute mess. And so I think that that you are aware that the lyrics to Glassjaw are disgusting, that's that's fine, you know. It doesn't make you a hypocrite because they're still a, a good band, you know. They've they've had works after that that didn't rely on the absolute misogyny of everything you even want to know about science. But what Aaron Lewis is doing is basically like a rally, a call to arms. And it's it's as far as I'm concerned, Reese, and you, forgive me if I basically have a MAGA supporting listeners out there just completely trashes but as far as I'm concerned all Aaron Lewis is doing is fucking dog whistling under the guise of being a country music performer I have heard that complaint and Aaron Lewis has kind of addressed it and he said look if you go back I've been saying this shit for years like I've, I've been saying this shit for since like 2000 
one or whatever it was, you know, I've been saying it and I do believe him in that. I do think that is him. And we're going to go to um, not an ad. I've got something special. But when I come back, I want to talk about the industry a little bit. But I do think you're you're right in saying that there is there is a difference that Daryl did come out and say, hey, look, you know, soz, everyone, I, I really need to rethink my words and choose them carefully. Words have power. They can have the power to lift people up. They have the power to, to drag people down. Aaron Lewis has dug his heels in. But if you go to the YouTube YouTube comments on Glassjaw and you go to the YouTube comments on an Aaron Lewis song, you are 100%, and I can tell you this for a fact, on Aaron Lewis videos, am I the only one? They're like, preach, brother, um, you know, we've got a fake president, all this sort of stuff. It'll be rectified soon, blah, blah, blah. Whereas Glassjaw, they're just like, fucking sick band. It's not like, geez, I hate women. What about you guys? So... Yeah. So it's almost yeah, like yeah. that 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 quote that was it the the guy running for Florida the governor was like Donald Trump may not be a racist but his his followers believe he is or they think he is and that's what they like about him so and Aaron Lewis doesn't come out and say look guys you got it all wrong he's just like no nah, I'm fucking I'm here but I thought about writing country songs and I actually have done one it's a full song strap yourself in it's not the shortest song in the world and I'm trying to tap into that country market now. I was driving home in my pickup truck and I heard it on the radio. So I quickly just, you know, grabbed my phone. Let's go back to the roots of country, which is like, hey, what do you like? I like drinking. So it's a song about drinking and I hope you like it. All right. So this is just to set this up a bit more. It's me driving home, recording the radio station when my single came on. What a surprise. Okay. And I'll still have my God and I'll still. Alrighty, that was Aaron Lewis, former frontman from Stain Turn Country with his new single, God and Guns. It's a real song. Look it up. You're listening to KNOTFM and we've got all your country needs throughout your entire workday, whether you've been kicked to the Matthews Bridge or you're working from home, home, home on the range. And just like Aaron Lewis, we've got another angry adolescent male turn country singer's single here. We've got the guy from Baccio Death Trip with his brand new single, I Like My Whiskey. No, not the good one from Bacho Death Trip. Not the one who knows lots of stuff. We've got the other guy. He's seen a hole in the country market and he's going for it. Let's hear his brand new single on KNOTFM. old traveling car but you won't read about it in some fancy city slicker memoir they will appear a European steering all covered in rust me sitting in the front and singing licking cream by seven dust yeah and no one knows why I, the drummer, wore a headset. No one knows why, why he persisted with those dreads. But I guess he liked them. Like I like my friends, my guns, my family. Oh yeah, I guess there's one more thing. And you know what it is. 
Well, I like my whiskey as much as John Otto likes Tapping the cymbals in the quiet parts of his songs And wearing a basketball singlet as he drums And yeah, I know He looks just like a thumb, but that's my man, John Otto Well, look out for his car I see my son out there Well, he's drumming around the town One day I'll see him playing VRI Hole Covering system of a down Using glow sticks on chop suey Instead of using his big furts Well, he's my boy like Daniel Day-Lewis is to Fred Durst <laughs> And I like my hot dog water with my chocolate starfish But there's one more thing on my list And you know what it is Well, I like my whiskey as much as John I don't like Tapping the cymbals in the quiet parts of his songs And wearing a basketball singlet as he drums And yeah, I know He looks just like a dumb But that's my man, John Otto Well, look how far we've come That's going to knock It's Been a While off top place, for sure. It's impressive that the uh, DJ didn't talk over the top of the ending as well. A rarity these days for uh, Top 40 Radio. Um, why does the guy sound like Sean Mullins who did Lullaby? <laughs> rockabye, everything's going to be all right, man. Yeah, everything's going to be all right, Rockabye. Uh, rockabye. Is that the one where he's like, it'd be a whole lot... Better if she smiled once in a while. Ah, I can help. You know, why can't country songs go back to that? Why do we have to be saying that Joe Biden is not the president and that you take a bullet for the country without ever enlisting in the army? You know, here I am Friday night at the fucking Troubadour playing my acoustic songs, but I'll take a bullet for the for the country. You sure? No, 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 no. Fuck that. I'm going to sit in someone's house with a pack of ciggies and record this banger. But yeah, just talk about the whiskey you like to drink. Come on, guys. A good old time. This episode may be long, but I, I want to talk about a little bit about industry, and then we'll play a game, and then we'll, we'll fuck on out of here. All right. Stained have reformed, and they did a live stream um, through COVID, and they're touring again. They've announced the big tour. But when you watch their, their live ship now, it's f- so fucking boring. And I thought that was really interesting because 
I recently watched the Parkway Drive documentary on Australian Netflix anyway, uh, and it's about them going, look, we want to headline Wacken. We want to we want to take that next step up. So let's look at it. We need to go on a big arena tour and we need to spend, but we need all the money we make yeah. on the show, we need to put back into the show. So that means bigger crew, full lights, videos, choreography, sort of stuff, yeah? Pyrotechnics through the roof. We need to really take that step up. And it, it follows them on that journey. And it's a really interesting watch when you watch it from the business point of view. Now, there's a thing about Coachella where um, I think it's Mark Ronson and Kevin Parker from Tame Impala talking about it. And Kevin Parker was like, hey, when Tame Impala got off with the headline slot of Coachella, I was like, great, we'll just play it. It'd be no problem. It's like, now you're getting three million bucks for this. And the industry is like, this is the show. This is what makes it, makes or breaks you. So he eventually started to realize that. And he's like, okay, it's fuck. If even Beyonce lost money on this and Tupac's hologram supported by, you know, some other unnamed people lost money on this set because it is an investment in your future and that is where the industry stands up and takes notice, we need to invest yeah. that money in that. Yeah, we're getting $3 million for the show. $3 million is going on the production to make it an event. And the Billie Eilish documentary, uh, The World's a Little Blurry or something like that, that follows. She gets a, a, a really big spot at Coachella and it talks about the pre- – it shows the pressure she's under. And then they've, they've really organised and practiced and practiced it and done everything right. And then just before she's about to go on, the, the video goes down. They're like, fuck, what is all this then? And it's it's that Dr. Showbiz sort of stuff where, fuck, she's down. And then as soon as she jumps out on the stage, you wouldn't even know. And then it all comes back on. And the show is good. But after the set, she's almost inconsolable. And so if you're a band like Stained, let, let's look at this really pragmatically. Who are your fans? They're 35 to 45-year-old people. They're people who now need babysitters to leave the house. They're, pe- they're people who are chasing their youth a little bit. They're like, hey, we used to love this. Let's all get together and do it again. Now, when Stained released It's Been a While, they were at number one for three weeks. They did this free show in Atlanta, which usually got 10,000 people, yeah? Fucking 45,000 people rocked up to see Stained. So now they're doing their 20th anniversary tour. You can just imagine a bunch of like predominantly dads, could be wrong, who haven't been to a show for ages. And they're like, hey, you do, we should go, we should go do that again. We should really go. That'd be fun. And you get there and you see a band who have put in fuck all effort in stage design. They, ha- they haven't changed their shirt since 1994. It's like, oh, we were kind of hoping for something a little bit more involved. Like you have to, if you're, if that's your audience, although in saying that they're probably just happy to be out of the house. Speaking to my friends who are parents, yeah. it's like, man, I fucking love going to work now. I was like, really? And it's really interesting to think stained. They probably could take that next step. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not going to be Billy Eilish or Tame Impala or, or Parkway drive. You could put a bit more effort in than like, you know, the, the, Bendigo Battle of the Band's headliners that are playing while the judges tally their votes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't argue with that, especially when you've got bands like Foo Fighters that still go out and and create kind of like a stage show and a presence and and everything like that. So yeah, Dave Grohl with his Long Runway, they get listen, they they get fans up to play guitar. You know, want to play Monkey Wrench with us? Fucking, let's do it. Let's create viral videos. Let's get my daughter out here. Now, maybe Stained have done this and I've missed it, but it just looks like a bunch of bored dudes. And, and, and Mike even said in an interview, we should just play It's Been a While 12 times because that's all people want. Yeah, pretty much, eh? And, you know, maybe encore outside 
with the hologram of Fred Durst uh, <laughs> there as well. Uh, what's the game you've got today, man? All right, man. This is a very simple game. It's a tried and tested format. We've, we've done it before. Bachelor listeners will know it. So it's called Aaron Lewis or C.S. Lewis. Okay. So I'm going to read an Aaron Lewis quote. You know, the author of such titles such as Suffocate, Crawl, Self-Destruct. I'm going to read a C.S. Lewis quote. You know, the author of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The, the Silver Chair. The Problem of Pain. Yeah. Uh, what else? The Great Divorce. A lot of his books had the word the at the first, as the first word. And you have to guess which one of these quotes is attributed to which person. Pretty simple, yeah? Okay. So, okay, I've got six of them. Are you ready? Um, Six. Yes. Six. So I could get I could get fifty percent right, and it's like I just I'm I've I've either not won or I've not lost. So quick maths, that's right. All right. This one's a bit of a long one. I can still hear his voice when I put it to my shoulder. A gun's like a woman's son. It's all how you hold her. He taught me a whole lot more than how to hunt, and one of these days I'll pass it on to my grandson, my granddaddy's gun. That's definitely Aaron Lewis, isn't it? That was Aaron Lewis. It was not the opening for, you know, the problem of pain. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't Chronicles of Narnia, was it? <laughs> I think that's how it opened. That, that was actually Mr. Thomas. <laughs> I didn't see any mention in any Aaron Lewis songs on Turkish Delight. Next one. I have learned now that while those who speak about one's miseries usually hurt, those who keep silence hurt more. Oh, that sounds like C.S. Lewis because it's quite thoughtful. Nice, man. Well done. Pretty easy so far, yeah? It's, it's weird because they don't share well, so a lot of the far. same thoughts. Although C.S. Lewis, massive Christian, so maybe there's something in that. So say what you want about the things I hold true and the fabric that makes up this red, white, and blue because I'll fight for my country till the day that I'm done. I've still got my God and I've still got my gun. Aaron Lewis again, isn't it? All right, man. Well, you're 50%. You, you can't fuck this up now. No, no, no. Well, I could. I could, but... One road leads home and a thousand roads lead into the wilderness. Ooh. Because now you got to think if I've been playing you. Ooh. I want to say it's a stained lyric. Bum, bum. Sorry, man. Oh, that was C.S. Lewis. It was Lewis. actually C.S. Lewis rather than Aaron Lewis. Okay, right. Yeah, but I was inside your head then fucking with you. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. I want to say that's C.S. Lewis. Why do you say that? I don't know, just because. We seem to have a pattern going, which is Aaron C.S., Aaron C.S., Aaron C.S. But I know that you'd want to fuck with the script a little bit more, so that's why I'm saying you put two C.S. Lewis quotes one next to the other. That's right, man. You, you're Now the hunter has become the hunted. <laughs> Fucking A. Well done. All right, last one. You've got four out of five so far. Well, then that, that would mean by your logic, by your reasoning that this last one's going to be Aaron Lewis. But I think when I start to read, you'll be pleasantly surprised and confused. Okay. We grow tobacco and we drive trucks. We kill whitetails and greenhead ducks and drive our four-wheelers down the main road and burst out the sleds when it's cold. Ooh. Sledding. Sledding's quite a big thing in the Chronicles of Narnia, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And hunting, they killed a lion. I, 
I'm going to say Aaron Lewis just because I like saying his name. Aaron Lewis. As a Lewis, as we call him in Australia. That was five out of six. Well done, Ben. You've, you've done a fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Fantastic effort. Yeah, a lot of his lyrics are just like things that he likes doing. Now, Four Wheelers is, is an interesting one because next week we are talking about Static X, Wisconsin Death Trip. And did you know Wayne was a massive like four-wheel driver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like little, little like bush carts, maybe like ATVs or something. He loved that shit. I'm really looking forward to uh, the the 25th episode, Static X. I don't know how much of Static X we're going to be talking about. We're probably going to be talking about ourselves. Well, we always talk about ourselves a little bit, but probably a lot more than usual because Static X is what binds us. Batio Death Trip is a reference to Wisconsin Death Trip. It all comes together in the next episode of Batio Death Trip. Reese, say goodbye. My closing statement is Aaron Lewis's scream in the song change is very bad. Listen to the Holy Gift on our Instagram uh, bio. Link in bio. Link in bio. Love that band.